This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Hey, welcome back into the podcast. I am uh, I'm thrilled to have a good friend today with me, and guy you all know very well is Bema Thug. Uh, that's David Weiner, um, cap guru, guy who uh, big Rocket fan, and and uh, sort of knows all the ins and outs of contracts and trades and, and things of that nature. And uh, David, man, thanks so much for for coming on. Uh, happy to be back, Dave. You know, there's uh, a lot to sort of to review here. I mean, there's a lot of positives and negatives with the Rockets right now. They started out of the gate extremely hot, six and zero, and they have a nine and three record right now. That's fantastic. You know, two of their losses. You have to keep this in perspective. Two of their losses have been with Dwight Howard out. Um, that's a positive in the sense that they really haven't been beaten very much with everyone healthy. In fact, they've only had two games all year when all five of their starters have been healthy. I think they're four and zero when Jones and Howard are starting. But, you know, there are some negatives. Uh, Terrence Jones has a mysterious injury. Ben DuBose wrote about this recently or sort of recapped the situation. It looks like he could be out for a while. And uh, right now, Dwight Howard has a nagging <clears throat> knee injury. Uh, and we are seeing sort of thrown in our face right now the deplorable situation that this team has with their depth, particularly uh, with their bigs. Um, I think when you take out Dwight Howard and Terrence Jones, you have a significant drop, uh, possibly playing some guys who maybe don't belong in the NBA or certainly are trying to find their way in the NBA, and that's Tarek Black, Joey Dorsey, and, and Donatus Motiunas. What what do you make of the of the Rockets' struggles right now? What we've seen the last four games, three of them have been against, you would call cream puffs of the league with OKC, with uh, Durant and Westbrook being out really struggled in all three of those games, lost one of them. Uh, what do you make of the situation right now with their depth and uh, the problems that they're, they're having right now with their play? Well, um, while I, I was hoping for a, a little better performance from some of the bench guys this year, I think it was to be reasonably expected um, this summer uh, when the Rockets really went mostly all in on the on the third superstar route and and was was ever so close to getting Chris Bosch that they were gearing up not to add several good pieces, but to add that one great piece and then just fill or, fill the roster up around the margins. And um, you know, for the most part, other than bringing in Ariza in free agency uh, and then signing Papa Nicolau to really the vast majority of the mid-level exception, which I think in part was to, so they could structure his contract uh, favorably and, and, and ensure his buyout from his European team. Um, the rest of the roster was, was you know, free agency-wise, was filled out with league minimum signings. They, they then later flipped a couple of non-guaranteed contracts for, for Terry, but that was more a salary dump by Sacramento than 
necessarily the Rockets going out to get Jason Terry, the valuable bench contributor. Now, they've been very fortunate that Terry has overall been a solid bench player, although um, I'm not the biggest fan of his defense, but uh, he, he still has been fairly solid. Um, the bench was largely expected to be not that great or not that deep. I think, you know, if we were to shoot the Rockets front office with true serum, they would, they would tell you that they didn't expect Joey Dorsey would be this terrible so far this season. I, you know, I, I certainly yeah. hope he turns it around, but I think they, they envisioned at least the level of play that they're getting right now from Tark Black, uh, if not several notches better. And, you know, Tark Black, you know, God bless him. He, he tries so hard. He's just not a very good player. So, it, it's a weak bench, and I think that's to be reasonably expected. I, I don't think they expected this many injuries to uh, their starters to start the game. I, they certainly didn't game plan for an extended Terrence Jones injury, and then I think Demo's been a little disappointing this year as well. So all in all, you know, their starting lineup's really, really good. Uh, but, you know, with these injuries, the, the bench is just, it's just a weak bench. Yeah, you know, I think last year they probably could have stayed afloat five games with a Harden or, or a Howard out. I mean, you had Oshik. You know, I, I you know I'm not a, a big Jeremy Lin fan. I don't uh, see a lot of positives in his game, but I do think the biggest value he had to the Rockets was if Harden went out. So I think last year they uh, had better pieces to sustain a decent record if one of their big guys went out, one of their key stars. I don't think they have that this year. I think if if Howard or Harden go out for a significant period, it's this is definitely a lottery team. Uh, I think that the West is just too good this year. But I still think this is a better situation to be in because I think when you have two elite players or top players in the league, you can add depth. I'm a little surprised that we don't have, you know, usually Daryl Moore does a good job of, of adding the right pieces. I think this year was probably not, you know, we there was a few swing and misses there. But I think, um, you know, you want to be in that situation as the season goes goes along where you've got definite uh, roles to be filled and guys who are bought out, uh, guys who want out of situations, they're going to look at Houston and say, hey, that's a team that can contend. I could, I could actually play on that team, not just be uh, the 12th guy on the bench. So I think it's a better situation to be in than, you know, you're looking for that second star or first star uh, and having five to ten good, solid players. So that's a positive. But I definitely think that this team needs to make a move here soon um, to add some pieces because the, this West is just too competitive. And that really uh, leads me into your article. You wrote an article Friday uh, on Clutch Fans uh, called Shifting Perspectives on the 2015-16 Salary Cap uh, May Impact the Rockets' Immediate Plans. And I think uh, most of us have felt the, the sort of the fallback plan is 2015 cap room, similar to what they did with 2014 cap room, even though they did uh, strike out in that pursuit. But you wrote that maybe that's changing. Can you explain that a little bit? Um, yeah, so it, 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 and this is just a hypothesis. This is certainly not uh, anything that's etched in stone, but um, – a lot of leagues, league executives, uh, I think starting several months back, um, started game planning that the, the due to the new television contracts that technically don't kick in until 2016, uh, due to the massive increases in revenue that the league's going to get, 
the end result would be a massive spike in the salary cap in 2016. Uh, a lot of league executives have been game planning as if the league and union would incorporate some sort of uh, cap smoothing process that would result in a greater increase in the cap this summer in order to kind of mitigate that one-time spike in the salary cap. Uh, and I think a lot of teams were assuming that they would have a lot more cal- salary cap room for that reason. Uh, it was a, a reasonable assumption to make. It, uh, I personally think it makes more sense to, to kind of stair-step the, the new TV money in over several years. Uh, and I can only surmise that the Rockets are were mo- one of those teams. And um, with that assumption, the Rockets can get themselves this summer with a couple minor trades that, that should be pretty easy to make, can get themselves to max or at least near max cap room. Well, um, according to a couple of Zach Lowe pieces uh, for Grantland.com, um, he has, uh, I think, reported on more than one occasion that many league executives are now abandoning that assumption about this bigger jump in the cap in 2015 and are going back to the previous league projections of the cap being somewhere between 66 and 68 million. Um, the last projection the league released, I think, was uh, $66.5 million for uh, the cap next summer. And just looking at the players on the Rockets' books right now, that barring, barring trades, and of course that's a very big caveat, but um, barring trades that uh, the most cap room the Rockets could open up is about only $8.7 million. Now, that, that's a nice chunk of cap room that can get a pretty good player for $8.7 million, but you're assuming that you're getting rid of you know, Papa Nicolau and all these other uh, players to open up room. Uh, if that's the case and, and if Daryl Morey and the Rockets are one of the front offices that are now going back to the old assumption that there'll be no new TV money or smoothing process that, that gives them more room uh, next summer, uh, this may influence the types of moves they're going to look to make right now, uh, let alone next February. So, uh, whereas, you know, take Corey Brewer, for example, um, you know, there have been rumors that the Rockets are interested in trading for Corey Brewer. Well, he has a $4.9 million player option for next year. Um, you know, it, if the Rockets were, were truly intent on creating max cap room next summer, uh, that player option would be a big no-no for for them wanting to get Brewer, and you know they could always try to get him to waive it. I don't know if they could legally do that, but um, you know maybe under the table agreement for him to waive that option. But you know, short of that, that that's going to seriously hurt their cap plans. Well, maybe now if they have revised their their cap projections for next summer, they could be going all in this summer, or or at least making moves without regard to 2015 cap room whether it's a Corey Brewer um, going all in for a Goran Dragic, although I don't know how likely that's going to be, or any other move that you might see them make a move that up to now you would have thought was counter to the Rockets' philosophy of cap flexibility. And so the the, the article, you know, to make a, a long story longer, uh, <laughs> the article was basically kind of touched on don't be surprised if you see kind of what might be a counterintuitive move that, these revised projections may just uh, 
may just lead the Rockets in a different direction. Like you said, that probably explains why Corey Brewer is a candidate, a guy you would not think holding that player option uh, they would be going after right now. They would try to remain as flexible as possible. But it does certainly open up, you know, if that's the case, as you uh, explained, that this could be potentially the reason why they would do that. It certainly opens up to a lot more players, guys who could have two years left on their contract, uh, for example. And, and Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle has written recently that, um, you know, the Rockets, they're looking at 10 to 12 different guys, and they want to make a move here rather quickly. I think, you know, the trade stories, we've talked about them. I think people, sh- you know, should know that, that there's a lot of subplots this year. It's not just how the Rockets do. We're looking for New Orleans to fail. I mean, the Rockets have that first-round pick from New Orleans between three and, uh, excuse me, four and 19 from the Omer Oshik trade. That's probably one of their most valuable pieces in a trade, if not their most valuable piece. Um, we need Clint Capella, who's down at the D-League D- right now, to show something. This is a young kid, raw um, but has great uh, measurables, great uh, leaping ability, a wingspan. Um, certainly a rebuilding team could be drawn to him uh, if he starts to show something interesting in the D-League. Um, and we're looking for teams like Phoenix, as you mentioned, Goran Dragic, and Atlanta to fail. I think we're probably placing Goran Dragic and, and Paul Millsap as the ideal candidates for the Rockets. I mean, I think they need a, a guard who can – uh, you know, if not be your point guard, a guard who can score the basketball. So it's not everything is focused so much on Harden. Goran Dragic would be uh, excellent here. Um, and Paul Millsap, I think probably a power forward who can defend the pick and roll and stretch the floor and maybe give you some toughness inside is the single piece, the most important piece to add to this team, I'm especially someone who could maybe play a little bit of, of center, backup center. And I don't think Paul Millsap can do that, but that you, you saw when Tark Black came in, they just completely left him uh, on an island. There was no reason to guard him. And I think you go back uh, to the 2012 Rocket team, you know, that sort of surprised people and made the playoffs. I mean, they had four guys who could stretch the floor and hit that three pointer. Uh, they've gone sort of gone away from that at the power forward position. So I think somebody with some range and, and doesn't hurt you on the defensive end. Uh, at the four spot is is really important. But I think, uh, you know, maybe you can run down the draft pick inventory as well. I think that's probably the most important piece as far as what they're trying to do right now in trades. If they're not just taking somebody back in the Lynn trade exception, they're probably using some of their, their picks. Uh, yeah, Dave. Uh, the the Rockets, you know, for, for, for those that want to uh, uh, complain about the first-round pick the Rockets gave up in order to, to move Jeremy Lynn to the Lakers – uh, they can take solace in knowing that the Rockets are still sitting on an, just a ton of 2015 draft picks. Uh, right now, they have five picks in this upcoming draft. Um, the, the Pelicans pick, uh, they have a second-round pick from the Knicks that the, they're still owed from the Marcus Camby trade, which was really a <laughs> terrific move for the Rockets. Um, they also have the lower of the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Denver Nuggets pick, which they got from Portland in the Thomas Robinson trade. Uh, And Minnesota looks to be, you know, due to injuries as well, looks to be pretty bad. And and Denver's been very disappointing as well. So uh, that pick is looking pretty good. Uh, They have Sacramento's, uh, Sacramento's second round pick with, with some protections and I'm, expecting Sacramento to continue to fall off a little bit, so they should get that pick as well. And then, of course, the Rockets' own second rounder. 
So, um, you know, I, I would be absolutely shocked if the Rockets go to camp next, uh, next October with, with five drafted rookies. So uh, I fully expect the Rockets to use uh, at least a couple of those second-round picks as currency in trades between now and February or worst-case scenario leading up to and on draft night because, you know, in, in the new CBA landscape where there are caps on the amount of cash that teams can include in trades and also where the salary structures are going up and up, yet the league minimum salary has is, is staying low. Even when the new TV deal kicks in for a couple of years, league minimum salaries are not going to move at all. So if you can get second-round picks on rookie minimum deals, those are some of the best bargain contracts in the league. So those second-round picks have a lot of value. I mean, you're not going to get a superstar for one second-rounder, but you know, a second-rounder or two can, can, can get you a pretty decent player, and, and I fully expect the Rockets to use at least a couple of those to try to, to pry a name or two loose this season. You know, we're going to dip into speculationville here a little bit, but, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, with this next question, but, you know, I, I mentioned Dragic and Millsap. Those are high-end targets, very unlikely, or they would be difficult. Things have to unfold uh, in, in such a way that to make that possible in, in those teams failing and, and feeling that they can't re-sign those players or that it would be very expensive to do so. But, you know, looking at what you just said, maybe teams that would would want those second round picks, perhaps rebuilding or, or looking going in a different direction. What are some under the radar guys? Again, this is speculation that you think might fit contract wise and fit on this team. Help uh, this team. Uh, just maybe some guys that are under the radar that we haven't considered as possible acquisitions. Uh, well, one name I can give you, which is I'll, I'll actually get, we we were talking. I think you even brought this up a little while ago when we were talking offline, but um, a guy who would fit with what the Rockets need right now would be someone like uh, Timothy Mozgov from uh, yeah. the Denver Nuggets, who's a legit seven-foot center, um, very good defensive player, can can block some shots, rebound, uh, you know, play some solid post defense. Uh, the Rockets really lack anyone like that uh, behind Dwight Howard since the since they traded Oshik. Um, he makes a little over four and a half million this year and has about a five million dollar team option next year. So if they can make a move for him, if Denver just totally falls off, I know there have been rumors that Cleveland is very very hot for Mozgov, uh, but much like the the uh, Corey Brewer rumors where Cleveland and Houston are, are were listed as the two leading contenders. Uh, Cleveland traded pretty much every second-round pick they're ever going to have in a series of moves that created the trade exception that they have that would allow them to get a Corey Brewer or a Timothy Mozgov. The Rockets, meanwhile, traded one pick to get a much bigger trade exception in the Jeremy Lin deal. Meanwhile, they've made other trades that have them sitting on, I think over the next three years, the Rockets have eight second-round picks. The Cavs have, I think, zero. Um, so the Rockets are much better positioned to make a move for a guy like a Timothy Mozgov or Corey Brewer, where they have that trade exception. So the so Denver or Minnesota or whatever the other, whoever the other team is doesn't have to take on any salary. They can just dump salary, reduce their payroll. Owner can pocket the savings, and then they can get a second round pick or two for their troubles. 
So a guy like Mozgov would be good. Another name on, on Denver, actually, would be uh, Wilson Chandler, who kind of sort of similar player to, to Brewer, is more of a defender, streaky shooter. If you get him on the right night, he can he he's a, he can give you you know both ends of the floor. Um, his contract has a, a partial guarantee. He makes about six point eight million this year, and has a, a partially guaranteed contract. It would be about seven point two million, only two of which is guaranteed. So if you cut him loose at the end of the year, you still have to have two million dollars on your books next year. Not quite as good as as Brewer. I, you know, you might rather have 4.9 million and the player actually playing for you than 2 million and nobody. Um, but Chandler's another guy that, that that's interesting. Um, th- those are just a couple of names. Yeah. I mean, they're really there's a there's a you know a long list of players. Apparently, 10 to 12 according to Jonathan Fagan, who <laughs> I'm inclined to believe uh, yeah, right. that the Rockets are already interested. in. <laughs> And that article, I mean, it was a very good article. It just certainly, certainly screamed to me, you know, and I've become so, I don't want to say cynical, but just uh, reading between the lines, it certainly seemed to me a situation similar to what we saw with Omar Ashik, where the Rockets are trying to communicate to the league, you know, through the media. And again, I, that's that's just uh, speculation, but it certainly seems like they're trying to say, hey, we're really going to do something here soon. So if you, you know, get in your best offers or, you know, you know, whatever, you know, if you want to unload that player off your cap, you better do it now because we're going to look at some other uh, player. But, you know, we'll see. But I think, you know, and, and these are two extreme examples. I look at, uh, you know, when the Mavericks a few years ago acquired Tyson Chandler and got him a, a pretty cheap and sort of a buy low situation. I look at Portland picking up Robin Lopez, a guy, you know, I think it was, uh, I think it was Jeff Withy in a future second round pick in cash that they, uh, you know, made that trade, and he has ended up uh, being a solid defensive player. I don't know if Mozgov is necessarily going to do that for this team, but he would certainly could play a backup center role on this team, and, and uh, I think do so more effectively than what they have right now. Um, but anyway, that's. I think we're going to see some trades, and hopefully sooner rather than later, because the, this team does have a depth issue, and they, there's a lot of uh, roles I think that could be filled by uh, additional players. Now, Dave, um, uh, one distinction on the, uh, you know, comparing this situation to, to Oshik's is that, you know, with Oshik, you had a player asset where once you moved him, he's gone. You, you know, there's your asset. You, whatever you get from him is what you get. With the trade exception they have from the Jeremy Lin trade, um, while there is an expiration date, but it's not till till mid-July of next year, um, they can turn that exception or use that exception to absorb a salary like a Corey Brewer, Timothy Moskov, or Goran Dragic, or anyone making less than $8.4 million, and then subsequently flip that player in another trade. And so it, within right away, as long as it's a one-on-one to one, or does it take the three months? Uh, if, if it's one to one, so if you acquired a player you can immediately take that player and trade that player by himself to another team for something else. But if you wanted to aggregate that player's salary with another one, you have to wait two months. Two months, okay. Uh, before you can flip it. Um, now, that could, one be of the, why, that could be why they're looking to do something sooner, just be, so that they are still eligible by the February deadline. It, exactly. Now, now the the... 
kind of the early trade season usually doesn't start in earnest until mid-December when right. 2014 free agents can be traded. But if you look back, you know, late February trade deadline, you go back two months, you know, you're still in, you can be mid to late December and, and still be able to flip a guy. But um, you could you could absorb some salary with that trade exception between now and mid to late December and get a player who you could then combine with other salaries and flip in a bigger trade in February. Um, you know, the downside of that is that unlike in the prior CBA when, you know, expiring contracts were viewed as trade assets with the new CBA there, all contracts are a lot shorter in length and more teams are managing their cap more responsibly and more teams have cap room or the potential for cap room, expiring contracts really aren't that valuable to other teams. So going and getting a $6.5 million expiring contract so that you could combine it with another salary and entice another team say, hey, give us your star. We're going to give you a bunch of 5 and $6 million expiring contracts. Most teams really aren't going to be interested in that under the current CBA. But it at least puts the Rockets in a position to package Right. enough salary to match in a February trade. So th- that's kind of one situation where it's a little different than Ashik that the the trade exception can be converted into a different type of asset, into a player asset that can then be used later in a subsequent trade. And I think the reason I think a lot of people are thinking they need this, they need some sort of salary is because Terry and Papa Nicolau are at least – uh, they're certainly needed right now. Now, if they end up acquiring somebody significant, maybe you know you move those guys out. But uh, you know, Terry really is a guy that uh, Mikhail is relying on. I mean, as a matter of fact, Isaiah Cannon starts, you know, when Beverly goes out, and he hasn't seen the court since because he relies on Terry as that backup point guard. So it's it's almost hard to see him trading a Papa Nicolau or Terry, and then not trading those two guys this year. You don't really have the salary to get up to a significant player. Well, I mean, I think if, uh, you know, as popular as both of those players are, and especially Papa Nikola, I think for good reason, you know, he, he's gotten a lot of rave reviews and has become a, an early fan favorite. Um, the types of players you're talking about acquiring where you would need both of their salaries, you're talking about either a massive bad contract, in which case you're probably getting some other sort of very important asset, or a big dollar, big money, very good player, in which case I think they would gladly trade further depth in a two-for-one or three-for-one type deal, and then you can elevate guys like Cannon to take Terry's place. And I think whatever downgrade, or at least in Kevin McHale's mind, downgrade from Terry to, to Isaiah Cannon would probably be more than offset by the the upgrade in talent you're getting with that kind of two-for-one two or three-for-one trade. And let me ask you real quick, just to switch to the team. I'm obviously, guys, uh, people know that th- this team's been struggling after that that hot start. Um, you know, the, it was really chalked up to the three point shooting until we saw this Laker game. And you know, granted, Dwight was out, but Rockets hit their threes and, and quite a few. I think they were just a hair under 40 percent for the game. Still lost at home to a fairly weak team. It, it ties into this Cannon question. I mean, Cannon, you know, in those six games without Beverly this year, uh, you know, put up 11, 12 points a game, hit 40% from three-point range, and on almost six threes a night in those games. Uh, since he's returned, he's on, the only game he's played in it was the uh, Memphis game, which was a blowout. Uh, do you think this is a guy who needs to be playing right now? Um, my personal opinion 
without the benefit of seeing practice and knowing all of the players' tendencies on and off the NBA game court, I think Cannon should be playing more. I also think that uh, Jason Terry is a liability on defense. But, you know, I, I listened to a recent interview with, with uh, Kevin McHale where he kind of intimated that, that that Cannon has his own defensive woes and maybe he doesn't know where the, his assignment's supposed to be, the defensive rotations, little things that, that unless you're coaching him in practice a couple times a week, you might not catch. So... I'll give the head coach the benefit of the doubt on knowing that better than us Joe Schmo fans. But Terry's no defensive ace. But I, there's a lot to be said for knowing defensive rotations. But you know, if you if you ever watch the other team set a screen on Terry's man, he gets blown up on a pick every time. Like you know, just, I don't know why the other team doesn't just set picks on Terry for Terry's man every time down, and just it it results in defensive mismatches every time. But that's that's my own pet peeve. Um, but offensively, I think Cannon is the second best creator on this team behind Harden. That was perimeter, you know, Harden's a creator from the post. But, you know, if Harden is playing injured, which it looks like he is and has been very apprehensive, he's been limited to being more of a, a facilitator than a scorer. If we're looking for another player to create his own offense, I think Cannon's got to be the guy. Yeah, as far as what, as far as what the roster has currently. Uh, yes. You know, um, in a game, obviously we're without Jones, Terrence Jones, for a while, and we've talked about how they've got some serious issues inside, especially with Dwight out. In the eight games without Jones so far, uh, Donatus Motiunas is averaging about six points, shooting under 38% from the field. Uh, he's missed 11 of his 14 three-pointers, hasn't had any success from there, uh, and he's been in foul trouble. I think in, in a handful of games has picked up two quick fouls. Uh, he seems Wait, like, you're telling me Denis Mutiunas gets in foul trouble? <laughs> yeah, right. It just—it looks like this is a guy who. I mean, I don't think it looks like it. We kind of know it's not. He isn't big and strong enough to live in the paint. Doesn't have the skills really to hang out on the perimeter. His strength is post moves, yet we don't see it often enough. And like, like I said, he's not a guy who really can survive long in the paint. Is it too early to say this guy might be a bust? This is his third year. He just. He hasn't really stepped up. What what are your thoughts on his game so far? I mean, he was the 20th pick of the draft. If you look statistically, like, you know, guys pick 20th or later, what is their average career? You know, I don't know if you could label a guy who's an NBA rotation player for multiple seasons was picked 20th to be a bust. I mean, if he were taken 10th, yeah, maybe. But, you know, the 20th pick, you know, he's kind of maybe he is what he is and he's not that great, but he's not a not a total scrub. Um, I, I like Demo. I, you know, you can tell he's given maximum effort out there. Just I agree with a lot that. Of, yeah. a, a lot of his fouls and a lot of his misses are, are him try, pressing a little too hard as opposed to him just being lazy. Um I do get frustrated sometimes because I think he he probably does have the best post moves of anyone on the roster. Yes, yeah. Um, that the team doesn't look for him in the post as much as I think they should. And a few times he's gotten it, he's missed a couple bunnies where you're like, oh god, that was such a great move. It just didn't go in. And uh, you know, I wonder if the team loses confidence in him that he's missing some of these bunnies and just stops going to him, even though he's getting really good looks. I'd like to see him get some more post-ups, especially if Dwight's not playing or when Dwight's on the bench. 
and you got this long stretch with Jones out. Uh, I'd like to see him get more touches in the post, but he does have to finish better. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, we're about to hit a much tougher stretch for this team. They've, they've, they've certainly had a very good schedule. They've only had a few tests. And the real shame about, uh, I think, what we've seen here the first 12 games is that some of their, their big tests, I mean, well, I, I should say the Golden State game, uh, you know, Dwight was out. We haven't seen the whole team on the floor. Um, but before I let you go, Chandler Parsons returning tonight. Um, Dallas coming in. They're clicking on all cylinders, scored 140 last night. Uh, against the Lakers, uh, you know, after the Rockets lost at home to the Lakers, uh, Dallas just completely blew them away. It looks like Dwight may not even play tonight, so it, it certainly looks like the Rockets are lambs heading to a slaughter, but uh, we hope that's not the case. But um, Chandler coming back tonight, boo him, cheer him, ignore him. Um, I have mixed emotions on, on the Chandler-Parsons situation. Um, I almost universally cheer for former Rockets when they come back. We could do an entirely separate podcast on this, but I was not exactly enamored with the circumstances under which he was able to to leave the Rockets. Um, not necessarily last July, but the July before that. Yeah. Um, you wrote a uh, yeah. And you wrote an article about it as well. Oh yeah, yeah. That certainly that that uh, him being let out of his contract contract was a condition of of getting Dwight Howard here. So, yeah, just in case those who didn't uh, Allegedly. Know. Allegedly. Yeah, okay, let's say allegedly. That's fine. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so I, I was not a very big fan of that, and then he obviously repeatedly stuck his foot in his mouth once he joined the, the, the Mavericks. Although I think I'm guessing things like that ridiculous run DMC rap were, was a product of Mavericks marketing department and not – it's not like Chandler wrote – wrote anti Houston lyrics in his in his basement before doing that. I'm sure he just read what was on the page, but uh not he has not shown uh quite the level of tact one would hope. Um I will have no problem with those choosing to boo him. I will have no problem with those cheering uh, choosing to cheer him cuz he really did do very good things for this Rockets team. So uh, I guess it it, it nets out I, I'm ambivalent Part of me wants to cheer. Part of me wants to boo. Um, I'm I'm ready to stop caring, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to hear some boos. I think what will be interesting to me is obviously when Jeremy Lin came back, there was a video which surprised me, a a sort of tribute video, and it was a nice touch, and Jeremy certainly liked it based on his reaction. Um, If we're going to see a video uh, for a player coming back and if there will be boos then, I don't know if that has necessarily happened um, but if there's a video tribute for Chandler, that will be uh, kind of interesting to me. But I, I personally would boo him. I think anyone who's said some of the things he said since he left, uh, I think you know he's dead to me as far as uh, you know his his ties to Houston. And I, this is I loved Chandler Parsons. I think as far as you know in the locker room, uh, you know you put him up against Harden, Howard. I mean, this is a guy who was honest, would talk to you after the the microphones were down, would tell you what you needed to know, was class in my opinion um so i i'm i say that uh knowing that but i just think some of the things the, the bridges he burned with with houston uh i thought that was unnecessary so uh, i'm i'm with you on that but anyway here we go man i appreciate you doing this podcast and uh we'll see how the rockets you know turn this thing around they've got to get healthy uh first and foremost and uh like i said we've talked about this before you know daryl morey's up up to bat they've got to make some trades to uh, bolster this team because they've got a very very good starting lineup when healthy they play defense um they've just got to add some pieces 
to this team that complement um, that core, I think, better. And uh, I think they will do that. No, I, I agree. I, I think it's not a matter of of if uh, Daryl Moyer will make a trade, but just when. And it could be that the, the recent uh, performance and injury problems might prompt a trade sooner rather than later, although uh, Daryl doesn't strike me as someone to, to make a panic move. Yeah. But, I mean, look, he completely overhauled this defense, or the, the personnel defensively. While we say you know it's a weak bench, a lot better defensively. I mean, I think, you know, you bring in Ariza, which – we didn't even talk about Ariza, but I know you and you and MK have had a chance to talk about him at length, and you know my uh, I'm I completely agree with both of you on 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 how much I like Ariza's fit with this team. They brought in Papa Nicolau, who's a who's an above average defender. Um, you know, Dorsey was supposed to come in as an above average defender, just been a disappointment so far. Uh, so the the defense has been overhauled, and I think we. Given the injuries, we you know we might need to, to get either you know two-way players or at least another guy who can create his own offense. And I, I think it's just a matter of when, not if. Yeah, and I don't want to make it sound like they need five players, but I I do think they need a big and a guard. I mean, especially a big. And I think you could add some depth. You could just add a guy that would help you there. But I think the main thing people are looking at is can you get a top power forward that makes. You know, you may have to move Terrence Jones, but it, you know it could could put Terrence Jones to the bench, and you've got uh, some bench depth there. So, so you want a power forward that could defend fours and fives, play some five himself, yeah, Chris hit Bosch the outside able? shot. Chris <laughs> Bosh, hey, we should go after Chris Bosh. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There, I don't think you're going to find somebody who's going to hit all of those, uh, you know, qualifications. But I think that that's what this team needs that they don't have. They don't have really guys without Howard who can guard fives. They don't have uh, a, an elite um, defensive player as far as pick and rolls. I don't want to say – let me take that – not elite, but just a, a very solid uh, defensive four. Uh, they don't have a four who can stretch the floor, really, unless you're playing Papa Nicolau. And so uh, I think there's a, there's ways they can improve. And I look at Millsap as being the most ideal, um, fits most of those. Well, I'll tell you what. If we're if we're dreaming, uh, not that not that Paul Millsap's a complete dream, um, I'd look one roster spot over on on the same roster in Atlanta for a guy who, if he at least gets healthy and gets full back to form from his pectoral tear, Al Horford would be amazing on this team. Oh, I mean, he'd be he'd be great. I just I I just look at that as as dreaming. But he is I don't know what his salary is. Maybe perhaps you do know. I think that's he's 12, 12 million this year and next year. Uh is a is a bargain. He's one of the I mean, again, he's been a little he's been playing a little injured or still coming back from his, his pectoral tear from last year. But when healthy, he's probably the most underrated star in the league. He, you know, 6-10 can play the 4 or the 5, very good defender, very good mid-range shooter. Just an all-around fantastic player. If, if if there was any way to get a guy like Al Horford, that's your plan A and a half for not getting Chris Bosh type of power forward. Uh, it would be perfect next to Howard. I just have a hard enough time seeing Atlanta, even with Millsap, probably expecting a $15 million a year deal next year. Um, I have a hard enough time seeing Atlanta trade him, and I think Horford uh, – 
is you know what else would be good? LeBron James. <laughs> hey, it's, the things are falling apart in Cleveland, yeah. <laughs> well, with, on that note, we've officially gone off, <laughs> jumped off the deep end. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. And we'll, we'll do it again here soon, but I, um, you know, I think we're going to see a trade and there will be a lot to talk about uh, you know, within the next week or two, and, and we'll do it again. Sounds good. Thanks, bud. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, Dave.